Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we're committed to resourcing people in worshiping God and serving others meaningfully for community transformation. Here is the week's teaching. Hi, Garage. How are you? It's such an awesome opportunity for me to deliver the word this morning into afternoon. My name is Ari and I'm just expectant of what God is going to do. He's going to do awesome things. He's going to speak to you and you are fertile ground on which the seed of the word is going to fall and bear much fruit. So I'm excited about what's going to happen. Today we are going to talk about mission. And my mission story has been that I was born in a Christian family, Christian parents, been a Christian all my life. And then at a certain point, I found that I didn't have any non-believing friends because I was hanging out at church. I was hanging out at this prayer meeting, hanging out at that Bible study, hanging out at, at that fellowship, going for that praise rally, and I didn't have any non-Christian friends. And then I was challenged to write down a list of 10 people whom I would pray for and reach out to for the purpose of getting to tell them about Jesus and praying that they get saved. So I wrote down 10 people. I'll tell you about two of them. One of them is a Muslim lady who owns a saloon. I go to her saloon not because she has the best services, but because I want to be her friend. I want to be in her space, and I'm praying for her actively and asking God to show me ways of how to reach out to her and tell her about the gospel of Christ. The second person is a guy who owns a shop uh, where I go to buy things, and along, alongside the shop, he owns a, um, a beer depot. So around his shop, there are always guys hanging around who have taken a pint or two and are taking some more and are still drunk. And I go to that shop because I'm praying for that guy to give his life to Christ and I'm asking God to show me ways of how I can reach out to him just for the sake of Jesus. And so I'm going to challenge us later on to write down a list of 10 non-believers whom you are actively praying for and asking God to show you how you can reach out to them with the gospel of Jesus. And so we are going to talk about mission. Can we say this together? We are a movement of the gospel, discipleship, and mission. That's what we've been saying, and if you have been looking at the videos we've been sending every Sunday, we are a movement, we are not stagnant, we are not settling. We are a movement of the gospel. Jesus has come and died for our sins and we are not guilty anymore. And because of that, we are discipling other people to look more like Jesus and going out into the mission field and telling people about Jesus actively and intentionally. And so we like triangles in worship harvest. So if you don't see a triangle, there's something wrong. We love triangles and the triangle helps us clarify what this is about. 
So the gospel is really up our relationship with God and what that means and obedience to him and what he says to us. And then discipleship, which is just walking a journey with a few people, just like Jesus did with his 12, walking that journey and getting them to look more like Jesus, even as we go and imitate Jesus. And then mission is going out, out there and being Jesus in our workplaces, in our schools, in our communities, in our neighborhoods, and really taking the love of Jesus out into the mission field. So what is mission? When I was growing up, mission, we always took it, you know, when a Muzungu person comes, a white person from abroad, they've come to be missionaries, a big crusade, many people come to Christ. We always thought that was mission. For others, it's digging wells and providing food for people and sometimes even missional communities because Worship Harvest talks about missional communities. That could be our definition of what mission is. But let's see. Let's see what mission is. Because we sometimes think of mission in a not very right way, we think that the church has a mission, and the church is going out on mission. We are going on mission, and yet it's the other way around. The mission has a church. Because God was on mission even before the church started, because right from Genesis, if you go along the Bible, God was already on mission. And us as the church, we are joining him on this journey of mission together with him. There are some very difficult words there, ecclesiology, missiology, and Christology. And those may seem like big words, but they actually mean that Christology, which is what our beliefs in Christ are, are supposed to inform what we believe about mission and therefore inform what we believe about the church and not the other way around. Not the church informing us about what mission is, and therefore mission informing us about what Christ is. And so, it's Christology that leads to missiology, that leads to ecclesiology. Don't be confused with the big words. It's just like I have explained. Christ is on mission, and us as the church, we are joining him on his mission, together with him. And so we are not just doing mission and being a part of the mission, we are already on mission. And so the church helps us as the body of Christ together to go with him on mission. I like that picture. The church is the vehicle God created to achieve the mission. The church does not have a mission. The mission has a church. So what is this mission? What's this mission which has a church? We'll talk about the three R's of mission, which is one, reaching the lost, two, restoring God's dream for creation, and three, reproducing the mission in others. Can we read this together loudly? Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. 
So he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness, and go after the one which is lost, until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you, likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Or that woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. And Jesus was being accused of hanging out with sinners, tax collectors, people who cheated others, people who uh, did bad things. And he gave this parable saying, what, what shepherd who has a hundred sheep and loses one doesn't leave them and go out to seek for the one? And when he finds it, he rejoices over having found that one. Then he talks even about the, ten, the woman with ten coins and how when she loses one, she sweeps the, sweeps the house, turns everything upside down just to find that one coin. And then when she finds it, she rejoices and calls everyone to a celebration because of this one coin. And what is he trying to say? He's trying to say that he loves the lost, that he came to seek and save the lost, that the lost are the people who brought him here on this earth. And because we are his amb ambassadors, we are his representatives, we need to love the lost. And the lost are there. And they there near us. They are not hiding. They are in plain sight. They are our family members. They are our neighbors. They are the people at our workplaces. They are the people around us, people who don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And if we are not purposeful and intentional about going to reach out to them, they won't get to know about the love of Jesus. And that's our mandate, to go out and reach them and not to stay in our cocoons as believers, which I found very easy because I work in a church. It's very easy for me to be in this prayer meeting, that Bible study, hang out at church, do all those church things, and ignore the mandate of reaching the lost. We can be in church, but we can go out and reach out to the lost because those are the people Christ came to save. And they are the people he's left for us to go and reach out to and be his hands and feet and speak to them and tell them about the love of Jesus. So where do you, where do you find these lost people? They are all around us. If they are not in your space, you can go look out for them. You can go look out for them. You can look even amongst your family members, your friends. They are lost people all around us. But do we love them enough to feel it's my responsibility that these people get to know Jesus? It's my job to pray for them, to reach out to them, to talk to them, show them the love of Christ practically so that they may get to know his saving power. 
So the second R is restoring God's dream for creation. Can we read 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 20 together? Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. Now, because of sin, the world is a broken place. Before sin came in, before Adam's sin came in, imagine the, the Garden of Eden, a life of peace, a life of joy, a life of, of it looked a bit like heaven, the Garden of Eden. But when, us, when Adam's sin came in, we got a broken world. And now because of sin, we have a broken world, but Christ calls us to be to bring heaven on earth, to bring that broken world and make it look a little bit like heaven. And how do we do this? Let's first read uh, Matthew 6, 9, which says, In this manner therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In worship harvest, we do missional communities. And through these missional communities, a group of people will go out and bring change in an environment, in a community, in a neighborhood, together with a group of people. And I would like to show you some pictures of uh, Amplifier's missional community, which is led by Monica and Ezra. It's a missional community from Worship Harvest Nalia, and their frontier is to the Rafiki children's home, which is a home of young children who are orphans just down there in the Nalia estate. And this happened just yesterday. They took a merry-go-round to the kids' home just for them to have a better playing environment. And you see them sharing drinks and eats with the people who take care of the children, and they go there every month and share with them the love of Christ and be practical with them, clean up, feed the children, and be Jesus in that place. Now, imagine if all of us here decided to start a missional community, reaching a small neighborhood like Rafiki Children's Home, what would the impact be? What would the world look like? What would Nalia look like? What would Wakiso look like? If each one of us decided I'm going to start a missional community to just make a small neighborhood around me look a little bit like heaven. And we are not even telling you to do something as big as the UN, no. Do the thing that's on your heart, the thing that you're passionate about, the thing that you can do with a small group of, of people. What would our world look like? It would look so much better than it looks like. And I, I know that some of us, God is telling us even right now to step out and start a missional community. For some of us, he's 
asking us to join one because you've not been part of a mission or community and you're wondering, what is this thing all about? But it's a place where you and many others can come together and make someone's life, make a group of people's lives look a little bit like heaven because of your influence. Did I do something? The third R is reproducing the mission in others. So it's not enough just to go out and preach to the people who do not know Christ. It's not enough to go and, and um, help make our neighborhoods look a bit like heaven. We need to reproduce the mission in others. If we are not reproducing the mission in others, we are not being sent people. We are not doing our mandate as Christians. We are not being the hands and feet. We are not taking this thing to the next generation. Can we read 2 Timothy 2.2 together? And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Now this was Paul writing to Timothy. Timothy was a disciple of Paul and he was telling him that I've told you so many things among many witnesses. Commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And I want to demonstrate it practically, so I'll ask for five people to come up front. Five people. <laughs> five people just come up front. No, up here. We have some people upstairs, so we need to come up here. Two more people. Thank you. Okay, so just make a line. <laughs> so let us imagine that this is Paul. And Paul is talking to Timothy and telling him the things you have heard from me among many witnesses. Commit these. No, so. Paul is telling Timothy to commit these to faithful, faithful men and women who will be able to teach others. So, Paul is reproducing mission in Timothy. Timothy is reproducing mission in faithful men and women. Faithful men and women are reproducing mission in others. In Worship Harvest, we have a cycle where, a discipleship cycle where, this is the location pastor, Mose and Ari, who disciple and produce mission in the cohort leaders. There are a number of cohort leaders, eight or nine. So we meet with them every two weeks on a discipleship journey, and we are reproducing mission in them. The cohort leaders are meeting with their missional community leaders. So each cohort leader has a group of missional community leaders in their cohort, and they're meeting twice a month, reproducing mission. And then the missional community leaders are reproducing mission in the huddle leaders. Because a missional community is big, 
there are hurdle leaders to help with the care, and so the cycle goes on. So, if you are not somewhere along this cycle, you are missing out on an opportunity to reproduce mission in others. You're missing out on a systematic cycle to help someone slowly but surely be able to be on mission if you're missing out somewhere here. If you're not a cohort leader, if you're not a mission or community leader, if you're not a huddle leader, if you're not in a mission or community, you're missing out. And I would like to invite you today to consider joining a mission or community or starting one. Thank you, guys. So, back to the very big words. Christology determines missiology, which determines ecclesiology. They are big words, but they mean that what we believe about Christ determines what we believe about mission and therefore determines what we believe about the church. And so if we are doing these three R's, reaching the lost, restoring God's dream, reproducing mission in others, we are living a life on mission. And so where do we fit in, in those three R's? What kind of person are we? Where do we fit in? If you are here last Sunday, you had this analogy about football. I am a Chelsea fan because my husband is an ardent Chelsea fan. And so when Chelsea is playing, I'll go, play, I'll go watch. I'll be on the TV cheering on when they lose. I'll be a bit sad, but not too sad because I'm not really in the mix. And that's how it is for a fan. You're cheering on. You're saying, go guys, do it for us, do it for us. But that's all you're doing. You're cheering. You're saying, yeah, 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 but you're not in the thing. You're doing nothing to help the team to win. And then there are the sponsors. You'll see on, on the jerseys different names of sponsors, people who put in money to make sure that the games are played, that the players are playing really well, and they are putting in their time, putting in their money to make sure that the game is played. And then there are the players. Who are our favorite players in football? Messi? Mm-hmm. Yes. So in football, they are the actual players, people who are making sure the, goal, the goals are in and they are actually invested in, in the game. So if they lose, it's painful for them. If they win, it's really good for them. And then there are the coaches, people who are training and equipping, helping to make sure that the players are on top of their game. And how does this apply to us on, on mission here? Some of us are fans. Some of us are saying, go guys, go worship harvest. You're doing an awesome job. Continue doing it. We love worship harvest. It's such an awesome place to be. We really enjoy what you do as Worship Harvest. But you're not plugged in. You're not involved. You're not invested. You're not a part of the game. You're not in the game. And then we have sponsors, people who are giving faithfully of their money, giving of their tithe. They have a tithe number. They are giving to Arise and Build. They are hosting an MC. 
But that's all you're giving. That's all you're giving. You're giving of your money and your time, and that's it. Then we have the players, people who are actually in the game, running a mission or community, going out and reaching the lost, doing God's mission. And then we have the coaches, people who are training, equipping, helping the mission or community leaders and the people out there to do mission better. What, what, is, what is God calling you? What shift is God calling you to make today? What shift is God calling you to make? If you are a fan, just cheering on, you can move to being a sponsor. If you are a sponsor, giving of your money, giving of your time, which we appreciate greatly, you can move to being a player. Get in the game. If you are a player, Awesome, awesome. You're already doing something. But we challenge you to do it at a greater scale, to do it on a bigger scale, to really do something awesome. If you're a coach, continue. Do it at a bigger scale. Get people in the game. So, what is, what, what is God telling you to do this morning? What is he telling you to do this morning? I'm going to ask us to just get out a pen and a paper if you have one. Uh, the GET team, please uh, pass around some papers and pens. And I would like us to answer two questions. The first question is, which 10 people who don't know Christ yet am I going to pray for and reach out to intentionally? so that they can come to the saving knowledge of God. Ten names of unbelievers. The second question, what shift are you going to make? What shift is God calling you to make? Are you going to join a mission or community? Are you going to start a mission or community? Are you going to start giving? Are you going to, what is it? It has to be very specific. Write it down on those pieces of paper. And we are going to share with our neighbors. We'll just do that in five minutes. If you'd like to make a comment or ask a question about the someone, now is a good time to do it. Comment, question. If there is no comment or question, we'll just go and pray for those 10 people on our list and go reach out to them with love and then make the shift which you've written down on your piece of paper because if you don't make that shift, then that someone will have been of no use to you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this teaching. We hope you've been blessed by the Worship Harvest Sermon Series. For more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0312-281-555.